Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is correct. And this week we are breaking down season three, episode nine, Hell Week. Hell Week. Uh, we're going to find out how that holds up. But first, let's catch up a little. Annie, tell Hello. me what's been going on. <laughs> you sold your condo. I did, um, yeah. Uh, and then you told me that you had a slight pest problem. It was, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, I will I will tell <laughs> the story. And the story includes uh, multiple cautionary tales for all of my friends um, who are living in cities and storing things in basements oh. or in attics or... Essentially, we had gotten um, an email from our lovely um, condo board member who said, hey, um, some folks had noticed some rodents um, and we just want you to be aware we're going to be spraying. We're taking care of it. We just want you to know we're like, great. Um, the use of the term rodents was a little bit misleading, in okay. my opinion, um, because I don't know what you think of when you think of that. I think of a mouse. I'm picturing rodents of unusual size from the <laughs> Princess Bride. <laughs> is, yeah, is it more, more like that? I'm thinking a mouse, yeah. you know, and so I'm I'm not too concerned. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, they come, they spray. Um, our tenants that we had in our unit said, yeah, we saw like a baby mouse and then we... The, after the extermination, we saw nothing again, like no issue here whatsoever. So there was nothing wrong in the apartment itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process of like getting the condo ready to close, uh, we go down to our uh, basement storage and it's essentially like an old building that's built in 1920. And so what this essentially is, is just like a bunch of wooden stalls that are separated out and every unit has their own stall. But like, this is not airtight. Mm. This is not climate. Like it is a dingy ass basement in the middle of a city. So, you know, things happen. Uh, and boy did it because we opened the door and there's a smell. Oh, God. That is only dead animals, right? Like, we all know what it smells like. And keep in mind, like, this stuff is, like, there's stuff in there. There, Mm -hmm. It's neatly packed, right, in, like, cardboard boxes. And I had clothing in these, like, zippered plastic bags. I had all of kitchen stuff in these, like, neat boxes. Everything's labeled perfectly. Um, And there's just a pile of rat shit on all my stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And all my stuff is soaked in rat piss. Um, And we can smell that... There's definitely a dead rat in here, at least one. Um, oh, God. And so then we have the task of... It's time to play hide and seek with the dead dead rat. Yeah, knowing you're going to find it, yeah. right? And so every every move you make, yeah. you're sort of jumping out of your skin because you're like, is this it? I should have put a content warning at the beginning of this episode. I truly, please fast forward through this. If if, if this is not for you, yeah. please fast forward another few yeah, minutes. Yeah, we won't take it personally. I have, yeah, I have to, <laughs> this must be told. Um, <laughs> so we know it's going to happen. And like the things I had to throw out, Nathan, I mean, I had like in this like zippered um, plastic like garment bag, 15 years of Halloween costumes that I've collected. So they had like chewed holes in things. They had chewed through every, every cardboard box. They had chewed through every garment bag. Um, So I would say a third of the stuff just had to be thrown out straight away. Ultimately it's just stuff. It's fine. 
things that were safe for like my, you know, I had all of these like childhood like photos and documents and stuff. Thankfully, that was in like really um, heavy duty plastic bins, which like, oh, my God, if you're going to store stuff, you is, have to store it. Is your it. new religion? <laughs> it's my new religion. Yeah. It's like you have to store it in something that like a, a rodent cannot chew through. And we ended up finding uh, one one of what wound up being two uh, dead rat carcasses. And it was in the one like article that was sort of left open. It was a, a milk crate that had all of my records that I had collected over 25 years oh at this God. point. Oh um, my God. And so it's, it's sitting on like kind of a low, there's like a, a wooden shelf and the rat is bloated and dead on, on top, top of all your records. Literally on top. Like there is no barrier whatsoever. Yeah. Truly the grossest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And like a, a closer look after the rat is removed, I take a look to like examine what this looks like. And there's like rat shit all over it. And just the smell, it's like rats have have used this as their own personal uh, bathroom and um, graveyard. Yes. So. <laughs> it's where they crawled to die when they were poisoned by the exterminator. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what took place. Yes. Um, and so now I'm on this journey of like, I cleaned it off as best I could, sealed it in like an airtight plastic bin. And like, now I'm figuring out like, is there any way? Because yeah. if it had been anything else, you would have just tossed it. But it's something If it had been any thing else yeah. i would have just thrown it directly into the dumpster but yeah. for some reason i'm like i cannot throw out my entire record collection like i just can't so i don't know so tell me what would you do would you just throw it out i don't know i mean have you gotten any like professional opinion on whether it can or cannot be salvaged i have some tips on how one would clean i cannot imagine if there's anything salvageable in that in that bin, it would have to be the vinyl itself, right? Because right. anything that was surrounding the vinyl is cardboard. And I can't imagine cleaning that to any degree of, of acceptability. So like, unless you're willing to like troll eBay for like empty <laughs> original cardboard you know, sleeves for these albums, like I, I would say you're going to end up with like a best case scenario, a whole bunch of vinyl in plastic sleeves that doesn't smell anymore and is labeled very carefully, right? As opposed to like having a real record collection. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the cardboard is probably like that goes without saying. Like yeah. I think the cardboard is is a goner, but like anyone who collects records, like the artwork is such a big part of totally. it. And That's, so yeah. to like lose the artwork yeah. is just devastating. I am so sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear all this. It actually I have a similar story. It's not as gross. <laughs> I won't uh, I won't go Well to, then you shouldn't. I mean I this podcast is I, for really gross I things. cannot be over outgrossed here. But um my grandfather when I was growing up lived next door and he was a big like hi-fi guy, you know. He had the whole like stereo system all set up and um was constantly tinkering with it and he had an immaculate record collection that was very large and had a he was a big like classical music fan, but he was also a jazz fan and he had like just a really wide range of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, he made a big stink out of like teaching me how to clean the records and he had a little velvet pillow and he would like, mm -hmm. and it was clear to me that like twice a year he would go through the whole collection, take everything out, like carefully clean it with the pillow and everything, put it all back. Um, and so, and this all lived, you know, 
on a on a low record you know cabinet and i remember thinking to myself as i got into my 20s like one day i'm going to have a place and i'm going to like have a really good turntable and mm-hmm. that's going to that's the only thing i really care about in terms of like when my grandfather goes like maybe he would will that to me <clears throat> so i kind of like expressed interest and you know blah 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 well later on in his years when he and my grandmother started getting too old to take care of themselves in their house and had adopted a whole lot of rescue cats from the neighborhood um, oh, no. At a certain point, cats just started pissing all over everything in the house. And so that whole entire record collection got like cat pissed on. The whole house did to the point where they had to like rip all the carpet out and like. Oh, ch- my like, goodness. It was one of those like the house had been neglected for so long because the people had to be taken care of that um, by the time my grandfather died, his entire record collection was totally spoiled. Oh. Um, I feel like, you know, I should have done something earlier. I should have asked them for them earlier. I should have put it in a safe place earlier. And it feels like a real loss. It's it's like, yeah, there's stuff and there's just stuff. But there's also things that like really seem to, you know, hold some sort of significance, whether it's like, you know. Yeah, I think it's stuff. I mean, stuff that you've collected over the years and art that's no. important to you. Like, yeah. you know, a, a lot of these things are, are things that I got on trips or things yeah. that um, people gave to me. And now... I mean, I know vinyl was making a comeback and everything, but like in this current culture when everything can be streamed and downloaded and there is no physical trophy for anything, having like a a, a small curated collection of something that you care about is like kind of a special thing now, you know? Yes, it's true. But I did, um, I did post about this on social media and I kind of took an informal poll and I have to say it was really split. Like, really? It was you know, I would say like 55 to 45%, like Mm. keep it versus just burn down your entire life. I think people Um, just feel sorry for you when they want you to make an effort to try to save it. I just don't. I say toss it. (laughs) I don't see how, but I did have a friend who reached out to me and she said, hey, I lost my entire collection in a fire. Um, It's been really fun to like recollect and rebuild it back up. So her advice was- Take the inventory take the inventory of yep. everything that you have before you toss it. And mm-hmm. then like, let's go record shopping together. I like and I was idea. like, okay, that's like a nice uh, I like that middle idea. ground. Um, but, and you know me, like I am not at like, I have no issue throwing stuff away. Yeah. Like typically yeah. I am like super minimalist, but this one, this one hurt. Jeez. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear it. Um, Okay, the content warning's over now. If you skipped yeah. ahead to this point, <laughs> I think you should be safe. Oh, man. Uh, tell us your grossest. No, don't. Please don't. Um, let's, let's move on. And also, on. Yeah. if you can MacGyver an entire... Uh, <laughs> you know, MacGyver rat. would never throw away this record collection. He'd have some solvent to be able to... He yeah. would figure out how to save it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's why I'm just trying to live by the spirit of MacGyver right. here. Right, I love it. Um, well, speaking of whom, let's uh, let's talk about Hell Week, shall we? Uh, do you have a one oh sentence, gosh. two sentence IMDb summary uh, of Hell Week from, uh, you can share with people? I do. An old mentor of MacGyver's asks him to judge a physics competition. The mentor's son becomes despondent after failing to win the competition and locks himself in the lab with a homemade bomb. As is always the case with these two sentence descriptions, that ends up being kind of an understatement. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, off the bat, I loved this episode. Um, <laughs> I knew you I, would. <laughs> no, and my understanding is that this is like a big fan favorite episode too. Oh like yeah, this both is, of them are. The last two have been. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, and I can see why because this is MacGyver at his like most sciency. This is you know other people getting involved, and in, he's inspiring a younger generation and working with model. you know. <clears throat> college students to like figure out how to solve a problem um and so this is really like peak macgyver i would say <laughs> is an understatement because he also gets to like teach his mentor a lesson right, about right. relationships and he's family teaching kids and he's teaching his own mentor he is it seems like kind of a low stakes episode until the third act when it becomes a very high stakes very macgyvery kind of episode there yes. the the yeah, there's no enemy. There's an antagonist. Like, it's really interesting how they've managed to like walk the line with this episode because it it could it could have just been a really boring departure because it is a departure from what the usual is. He's not on an assignment here. He's like, I'm going to judge a college like inventor competition. You know? Um, yeah, exactly. And it's not just any college. It his it's his right. alma mater, and so he does go back and he gets to kind of like relive his glory days back when he won this competition. Right. And we even get this like cool shot of like him, you know, <laughs> back his, in the day. His headshot is like like black, long black hair, black mustache. Clearly, his like acting headshot from when he was twenty five. Uh, exactly. They use <laughs> they use as his college like yeah photo. It's great. Yeah, and so like he's he's kind of like doing the victory lap, you know, back at yep. his old stomping grounds, and so that's really fun. And it's also just really fun to get like you know a, a shot of energy with these younger actors totally. too. Like yeah. I think that's why I really enjoyed it, especially um, you know the uh, the actor who plays um, his, his mentor son yeah. is very good. Yeah, um, he's great. and does a great job. So. I loved that. And I loved, I thought, man, is there any better TV guest spot to have than like the sort of like troubled kid who's under too much pressure, who resorts to speed and then like gets drunk and is like suicidal and is rolling around on a chair, like telling people he doesn't want to live anymore for the third act. Like very it's a really meaty, fun, like 80s. TV role. Yeah. <laughs> very eighties. It's like, yep. all right, let's pack every special episode of saved by the bell <laughs> totally. that we've done into yeah. one character. It's yep. like, normally you'd have one character that was suicidal, one character that was yeah. addicted to drugs, one <laughs> character that had the weird relationship with her dad yeah. one character that was building a bomb because he's <laughs> like crying out for attention from his distant father yeah. but instead no 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 we've rolled <laughs> all of that into one student one troubled character i loved it um well uh we should talk real quick about what this is inspired by um yes one fun thing i uh, found was that so there are several of these kinds of competitions if you haven't seen the episode essentially what happens is like they task all of these college students with building a barricade inside of a dorm room that you can see through a peephole and then you have to try to figure out how to open it it's like a you know uh, open this weird combination safe lock uh, room thing yeah it's like a problem solving right. like but science it's the physics department it's engineering science, yeah. yeah like yeah. like type of of um a problem and you know the fictional university is called western tech um right. which is supposed to have been macgyver's alma mater right, which is clearly based on caltech um the two things i've i found in this maybe you found them too is that uh the, the actual like barricades we see in the episode in each room were designed by uh they were like student submissions from this annual physics competition at a college in poughkeepsie new york um mm -hmm. so they actually used like real college kids uh ideas for this uh episode and then the the whole thing was based on, I guess the writer went to Caltech and this was based on something mm -hmm. that happens at Caltech, um, which I found, and maybe you found too. Do you want to tell people about it? Yeah. Did you find Ditch so Day? Did you find, did your research find Ditch Day? 
I didn't, I did not. Um, what I found really interesting is that the mentor asshole professor was based on a real guy yeah. um, who was, you know, this really distinguished professor that the writer had worked with at uh, Caltech. Who he claims in- is not ba- like the troubled yes, part he, is not based on, but invented the entire like troubled son, yeah. like asshole <laughs> side of it, which at, at least that's what he says, sure, you know, in later right. years, which I think is just. If that's true, if the like the all of the negative sides of him were fictionalized, like what a shitty uh, depiction of him <laughs> depiction to like to be like yes, I'm gonna like write a character based on this distinguished like genius, um, right. but I'm gonna add all these horrible personal details. <laughs> right. Yeah, and not to mention I'm gonna make his name like very close and make his name sound. Oh very yeah, the name. Yeah, the name was yeah. very close too. So what did what did you want to? Uh, oh, I wanted to on? talk about Ditch Day. Um, so the writer of the episode said he went to Caltech and that this whole science competition was based on something they did at Caltech. And when I looked it up, this is what I found, uh, and I'm just gonna read it because it's so entertaining to me. <laughs> uh, Ditch Day is one of Caltech's oldest traditions, a cross between Animal House and, sci- and a science fair. <clears throat> this is from the Caltech website. One day each spring, kept secret until the last minute seniors ditch their classes and vanish from campus leaving behind complex imaginative scavenger hunts mazes puzzles and other challenges that are carefully planned out to occupy the underclassmen preventing them from wreaking havoc in the seniors rooms so Hmm. the idea is like we're leaving our rooms for the day you don't know which day it's going to be but all of a sudden all the seniors are gone and now all the underclassmen are going to try to break into the seniors uh, rooms to find out like what's in there or whatever but they have to like beat these like what they call stacks which is a euphemism for locks Um, the original ditch day stacks were devices installed or measures taken by seniors to keep underclassmen out of their rooms when they were off campus for the day stacking was also an extra curricular activity that could be t- undertaken at any time not just on ditch day um so i just thought that was a fun little thing to base on a macgyver episode on you know oh yeah totally and i think that's there is that like hint of truth to it especially like with how seriously these students are taking this yeah. competition and like i don't know what hell we conjures for you but mm-hmm. for me um it it i'm taken straight back to like tech week for uh, a show yes. you know that i would you know you're most you're people would say your... exam week but you and i are like oh the musical theater uh the week no before, exactly the i mean like it, it brings yeah it brings me right back to like okay this is our our final tech week and right. i were in my high school we called it hell week yep, and yep. it was just you were expected to be at school every night until nine or ten o'clock right. to just rehearse and run it again do it again and so like Whatever your, uh, you know, click was, whatever you were into, this is going to connect with you. Yeah, it's going to be relatable. And I think, you know, even just like the relationship between the dad and the kid was relatable in that, like, this dad having all this status and the kid not ever living up to his father's expectations. And I think the way that the guy played, the dad played it was really like, realistic like there were moments Uh when there was a little it was a little overboard but um but in general it was like a believable grounded performance that felt like oh yeah this feels like an overbearing dad um the only thing that didn't feel realistic was the fact that he actually changed at the end (laughs) uh because dads don't typically do that no but i guess what i what i felt with that was i was like oh this is clearly like you know it takes something so over the top um, to get this dad to kind of, you know, realize like, right. oh, this is what I've been doing to my son. I mean, it's the over the top bomb threat, but it's also, you know, a talking to from MacGyver, which of course, you know, uh, is is going to be part of anyone's personal growth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that like one of the things that I 
did make me cringe a little bit. Like I loved this episode, but like in the context of the recent news, seeing like a school related, like building a bomb, yeah. like that was, was a little much for me to watch right this second, I will say. I understand that. Yeah. I, I, that did not occur to me only because it was so contained and so wasn't like wreaking, you know, violence all over the school. Um, and I, I obviously know that they're going to be able to def- defuse the bomb. I actually, <laughs> I did think to myself like, man, that, writer must have been patting himself on the back when he came up with the idea of like in the third act we're going to find out that the bomb the kid has built happens to be on top of a lab with plutonium in it and now it has become a literal nuclear threat like could we go from a lower stakes scenario to a higher stakes one in fewer lines i was so like he's gonna blow up a single office (laughs) on campus to then all right we're we're building a a nuke all of Um, nuclear all of southern california is gonna be radiated because of this one kid (laughs) yeah um, who is dealing with a lot, but, but again, the actor was amazing yeah. and, um, it, it was a, a great episode. I also really appreciated like the, um, the crew they had, um, of competitors of the students. Mm. You kind of had a mix of everything. You have like the funny wisecracking one. You have like the total cheater, asshole, yep. smug guy. And then you have like the capable woman who no one pays attention to, which I mean, <laughs> yep. capable yeah, woman, woman of color, I believe. Relate um, to, yes. Yeah. All the actors were, were great. And the characters didn't feel like, Oh, you've got like the jock and the nerd. And like, it, it felt like a little more nuanced than that. I looked them all up there. Most of, I think most all of them are still, those kids are, you know, they're in their fifties now, still acting, still doing show business. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid, the guy, the guy who played the cheater guy, Jeff, was 16 when he, when he, when this episode came out. Which oh wow, like, he's so tall for his age. I would not have thought that. No, but yeah, I was. It was fun to go through and look and look like the guy who played the main character is a like a series developer and voiceover artist and stuff for a lot of kids stuff in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who plays Aaron, I think he's the one who does the monologue at the beginning. Um, uh, recently played Joe Exotic in the miniseries about Tiger King and yes. <laughs> was Hedwig and Hedwig in the Angry Inch movie. Um, uh, Jeff has done like theater sports all over Vancouver and Janet, uh, the girlfriend, the, the blonde girlfriend, um, is acting like her life depends on it now because she, <laughs> her IMDb is like, uh, like empty for a whole like 15 years where she raised kids. And now she's in all these like horror movies and shit. Like, <laughs> like she's like got like 50 credits in the last two years. Um, oh my gosh. So that's I love amazing. That all well, yeah, a great ensemble. I did like how, you know, it wasn't like a breakfast club smattering yeah, exactly. of stereotypes. Like yeah. it was like this nuanced thing. And like, you really did get a sense like, okay, there's all these different folks who've like come into this world, but they all really care about this, yeah, which is right. really nice to, to kind of like set the stakes of like, you know, MacGyver's coming back for this competition. This is a big deal. Yeah, um, right. So that in itself, like, sets some stakes for us. But then also uh, the stakes get raised to an <laughs> arguably uh, too high yes. of a level. With the I love it. Bomb. I mean, I, I also love the fact that this kid is, like, uh, you know, able to build a very sophisticated, like more sophisticated than any bomb we've ever seen in this show with like collapsing wires and mercury switches and all of this, like very high level bomb making shit in a matter of hours. Like, yeah, I drunk, mean, he's by doing the way. a couple of things here. <laughs> he's acting out to yeah. get attention from his father, but also he's like proving right. that he actually is the capable yeah. like scientist that his dad doesn't he should be a professional bomb builder. 
<laughs> He's yeah, very good exactly. at it. And the entire, you know, the entire sort of like dynamic of this father-son relationship is this dad is just putting him down constantly. Yeah. You're not thinking, you're not achieving, you're not da da da. I'm like, all right, well, he's a student here, um, <laughs> which God knows why he made that choice. I mean, I would be getting away from that dad yeah. as, as much as I could. But, you know, like there is the sense that he really wants to prove himself. And with the bomb, weirdly, I think he also kind of earns his father's like yeah. respect. Well, he does. It, he does it the very first moment they try to walk into that room when he has all the motion detectors set up to like electrocute you when you go through the doorway. He's, he says something like impressive. Like he's like, he's like really impressed. Yeah, by exactly. So like, yeah, this, this dynamic is, is really strange, but I think, you know, what, what drives um, him to kind of go off the deep end here is when he believes to have lost the contest to this mm -hmm. kid who cheated and his father is immediately just like, well, of course, like yep. I didn't think you were, you know, he, he didn't, um, you know, he definitely didn't comfort him in any way, but also like was in no way surprised. Yeah, so, right. you know, he goes on a insane bender that included way too many, uh, you know, uh, facets. Yeah. But. Um, and we, of course, like, as we mentioned, we have the, the speed stuff, which is very eighties. Um, people, people take it also like just the moment when she lets it slip to MacGyver that he's been taking drugs and the, like the look on MacGyver's face and the fact that, and later on MacGyver tells, tries to tell the dad, like he needs help. Um, it's actually a pretty sensitive way of dealing with it, but you can also always feel that undercurrent of like, this is the just say no more on drugs, like era. Oh, you know? and the judgment was, was yeah. pervasive. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, the way that they depict drinking is truly insane. I mean, no one's just drunk. Everyone, you know, the guy who's drunk is not only drunk, he is, you know, like slurring Passing and out. falling yeah. and taking swigs from a bottle yeah. mid-sentence. Yeah. You know, no one is just drinking in a normal way. Um, and then, of course, MacGyver has to point out that he doesn't drink um, very yeah. explicitly in yeah. the episode, which, of course, we have to do. <laughs> Got to make sure the audience hears that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like... I believe the line was like, carrot juice is the hardest I yeah. ever go. It's like, all right, we get it, MacGyver. Yeah, there's definitely like that. This is the worst possible thing a kid that could happen to a kid is that he gets into yes. drugs and yeah. And alcohol. Um, I love watching MacGyver like piece together the solution to like the fact that stuff doesn't work. The fact that he tries to like liquid mm -hmm. nitrogen doesn't work and then trying to move it to the elevator barely works. And then getting it into the elevator, they can't figure out how to, and then he pulls the wires out of this, the control panel in the elevator and vaporizes the mercury, which is that moment like that under the, under the bomb, like shot close up of the mercury, um, is burned in my brain because that is definitely in the like credit sequence um, with yes. all the shots in the credit sequence. So that, that's always fun to, to spot one of those. Um, but I loved like the moment when he finally fries the, the mercury at the last second and it explodes, like all the glass explodes and he just instinctively like covers his face and turns away from the bomb uh, and screams. I love moments like that because it's like, He's not a macho dude like who's like going to stare this bomb down until the very end. It explodes in his face and he screams <laughs> the way you and I would. Yes. And and also he doesn't like fully, you know, outsmart the whole system, which I right. kind of liked. Like yeah, it yeah. was like he he succeeds in some sense. Like we don't have a nuke going off, but like right. there's still, you know, um, there's still some element of danger. right? And, up until and with the very him, end. it's like you, you know, we've seen other scenarios with MacGyver where He's brought in as the expert and there's absolutely mm -hmm. no like 
you know, there's no chance that he won't be able to fix the whatever it is. He's the best. He's always the best. He's always he yeah. gets it done or whatever. Um, and this is a scenario where like a drunk college kid builds something and he has a very hard time disarming it, <laughs> which feels more like a, you know, a human hero. Right. Yeah. 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 But overall, like, loved the episode. Yeah. I felt, like, um, really strong. Had all of the, like, the really science-y, fun, MacGyver-y mm. um, problem-solving in it. Um, That's like so an emotionality I, to I it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, we did have, I have to hit up the recycled actor count again. Um, because I finally I went back and counted up. Like, I wasn't paying attention to our previous episodes in this season. And I think we're now up to three. Um, because we had James Hong, the Chinese guy who's in like, you know, both docs sequences where they needed an old Chinese guy. Um, and then we also had that in the first episode, we had the guy who played the assassin in the previous season came back as like a Russian husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Nikki herself who ends up, you know, starting out as a Russian who dies and then coming back as an American. Um, <laughs> so I think we're up to three as if my count is correct. And this is going to be four. So the professor, the guy, the bald guy, the dad who puts all the pressure on the hat. We've seen him before as Karsoff on Prisoner of Conscience, which was the penultimate episode of season one where they broke into the mental hospital. <laughs> Do we remember this episode? Yes. And he was the Russian oh, like wow. who was going to defect and then decided to stay or whatever mm-hmm. at the end. with the. F- mm-hmm. um, I knew I recognized him, but he actually looks different in this. I don't know whether they had like a toupee on him last time or something, but yeah. it, it took me a second. No, I wouldn't it. have recognized him at all. But yeah. um, but now that you say it, of course. And now he's it, back as a totally different character. So we're up to four human beings that have played separate uh, identities in this show. And we're only nine episodes into the season. So um, anyway, <laughs> let's score this episode and get out of here. Did you have a, a score you wanted to give it? I have a feeling it's going to be high as the last uh, episode was. Yes, I I liked it a lot. I don't think I liked it quite as much um, as the last episode Same. because the Murdoch factor was not here. Um, but I, there's a lot that I liked about it. Hmm. So I'm going to give it an eight. Eight. Cool. I felt the same way, and I, but I am also, I was a little lower than you last week. So you gave mm-hmm. it a nine last week. I gave it an eight. You gave it an eight this week. I gave it a 7.25. Um, wow. Like last week's was a, was a little better for me than the, than the first couple of episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I'm basing it on. That's kind of what my baseline is. And uh, this one felt like a little bit not quite as exciting as the first couple of episodes of the season for me. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't have the excitement factor. There's a lot to like about it, but like, yeah. again, you know. It's great. It was a nice little departure. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how the rest of the season plays out. All right, uh, that's it for us this week. Anything to plug, Annie? Um, people can follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Annie M. Russell. Uh, you can find out what I'm up to there. Great. Uh, I'm trying to get off social media. So like, like don't, don't follow contact me. me anyway. um, just listen to this. Wait, don't people, don't you want people to send you booking requests on your social media? Isn't that <laughs> what you love? Uh, if you are a comedian who is looking for stage time uh, at a, at a well-regarded uh, st- uh, club in Vermont, um, definitely send a message through the website. Um, the longer, the better. <laughs> Preferably it's like a video of you at an open mic. That's like vertical and held by someone in the back of the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, what's the problem? I thought uh, you love this. Truly, I have booked people who have reached out, um, uh, you know, unsolicited. But um, I really want to book all you good people. But I also, you know, I get a million. So don't dollars. take it personally. Don't, don't it be personally. sad. That's it. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Th- check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and all our socials. It's all at the MacGyver Pod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can check them out on Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime. Next week, we'll be covering season three, episode 10, Blowout. 
Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends, friends are, are the, the adventures, adventures of, of life. life. Good night, everybody.